My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Can you dig it? That's it, Gary. Yeah, open it up. You can play. You can play. Yeah, yeah, man. Can't. <laughs> I can hear you fine. Let's uh, let's get you turned up and uh, swinging that six string is my favorite beat. Nick Gary Lucas, guitar player extraordinaire, who is our special guest today. You getting yourself in the monitors there, G? You're not even plugged in. Here we are on the Heritage Radio Network. Almost live. Here we go. Plugging in the microphone works a lot better than not plugging it in. You did that on purpose, didn't you, Mike? I, you just I, wanted to do the mic show today. You think I, you know, you think I was trying to prank the new engineer? <laughs> Holy shit, you sound good, Gary. It's Gary Lucas it, here with us Gary today. Lucas Day. It's, it's the best. All right. And for those of you out in Radio Line who don't know Gary, our friend Gary is, of course, uh, probably best known for his work with the uh, Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band and with uh, Jeff Beckley, Buckley, for whom he wrote the song uh, Grace. He's yeah. a Grammy-nominated artist. Rolling Stone called him one of the most um, interesting and thoughtful guitar something players of our generation, something like that. <laughs> um, he's a darling of NPR. He tours the world more than anybody I know. Um, where you're celebrating the double mitzvah, at least triple mitzvah, of your new book, Touch by Grace, my time with Jeff Buckley. Congratulations. Thank you. Because, Congratulations, yeah. Because, you know, we have a lot of assholes on here who have records out, but very few actually have books. <laughs> that book <laughs> and, is, you know. <laughs> hey, man, that puts, puts you like one toke oh. over the line, my friend. <laughs> and, um, and I'm really excited about especially this new record. You have several new records, always. Right. But um, Cinema Fantastic, which yeah. is you performing on guitar, uh, soundtrack music, and um, just to give you an idea of how deep this thing runs, um, Casino Royale, which is by Burt Bacharach, uh, music by Richard Rogers, and um, some of your own music, of course, that you yep. compose and perform for silent movies, like the Spanish Dracula, but also... Um, uh, oh my goodness! You have the peanuts music here, and um, no, Bernard, I'm for the Bernard, you <laughs> something <know>? for everybody. <laughs> and, and Gershwin and, and, Bernard, and one of my favorites, Bernard Herrmann. Yeah, well, Benny, Benny Herrmann, we <laughs> love his stuff. <laughs> He's one of my my heroes, and uh, I tried to really, you know, touch a lot of bases on this record. And the nice people at Northern Spy, uh, based in Brooklyn, were kind enough to put it out in a deluxe. Package, I have to say, when you crack open that cellophane, 
<laughs> and extract the booklet that I, comes I, with it, you will be really. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. I'm even the cell phone. Right, even, even the cell phone. Okay. Even the cell phone is exceedingly good. A key quality. sometimes works really good. As sort of. Right. Yeah, there you go. No, it's, it's now in the oh, we're in that it side up. pocket. There it is. There it is. There's the eight ball. Okay, the cover is by Paul McGowan. He did a very it's good great, job. Uh, After Vertigo, of course. Yeah, and the cover, I'm not sure the design company, but it's kind of an homage to the Vertigo art by uh, the great Saul Bass. And uh, inside, you get pictures of me performing in various far-flung corners of the universe, including Jeshion, South Korea, wow. uh, where I first rolled out the Cine Fantastique project, per se, doing film music at a concert. And then there's also a photo in there from the Transylvania Film Festival, which was in uh, Bontida, a little town in the Carpathian Mountains near Cluj, where they hold the festival there. They set me up in front of an old World Heritage site. Hey, this is Heritage Radio, <laughs> right? right? Well, they got a yes. beam over there. And uh, it was an old castle, and they put lights in the battlements, very lurid blue and red lights, and trucked in about 500 spectators. And sat him out on the lawn of this old castle, and I was actually dive-bombed by bats during my performance. Oh, yeah, amazing. To give it that authentic <laughs> flavor of, uh, you know, the real thing. But no rabies were caught. No, <laughs> not that I know of yet, I'm waiting. The Dracula know. thing is so out of sight um, for people who haven't like seen that? it. I mean, it's, it's a lot of guitarism. It's, it's, I mean, Gary... Um, Sits on the side of the stage. We've talked about this before, and right. you know, plays along like his soundtrack, um, yes, which because, is yeah, well. There is no actual music on the film. It's similar to Lugosi's Dracula. In fact, what it is is this is crazy, the sorry. Spanish version that was made at Universal on the Hollywood sound stages at night while they were filming Lugosi's Dracula in the day. Uh, what they would do because they had no facility to dub for a foreign language version. They just would remake the movie here with a Latin cast of Spanish actors and Mexican actors, Argentinian actors, and uh, an English director. And many people, uh, film scholars, consider it far superior to Lugosi's Dracula, and I do. And uh, like that film, it has no soundtrack music, mainly because, you know, it was done at the height of the Depression, and at that point, no one thought horror films were going to be a hit. And they reluctantly got a green light to do Dracula and Frankenstein uh, after a lot of resistance at Universal. But funnily enough, they pulled the studio out of the slump. They were responsible for reviving the fortunes, and they went all over the world, as you know, and sparked the whole horror trend in cinema. That whole Dracula thing is still going pretty strong. Oh, yeah. I got to say, I do love the, the Bela Lugosi version because I love Bela Lugosi so much because yeah, who acts like that? Well, I mean, no one else like has ever acted like that. I could watch him all day long. It could have something to do with the fact that he actually apparently had a big difficulty speaking English. <laughs> yes. And he learned his lines phonetically. So It's, it, it's so just I've, incredible. It's, yeah, he's one remove from reality even uh, beyond... With the character he portrays in the film, you know, that was one. Of, that was the most terrifying movie I saw it when I was in in uh, CCD in Queens, oh, really? in like Catholic school uh-huh. education on a Saturday, on a Sunday. And my mother mm. came to pick me up, and she said she could tell who which one was me from the back because I was the one under my chair. Like, <laughs> just Good. I can't even watch horror See, movies. That's, really, well, Man. these days I can't either, but mainly out of a disgust factor because. They pushed the envelope past, yeah. you know, post-70 for me. Uh, 
the most I mostly I find them to be unwatchable. The current crap. Well, you want to see something gothic and something yeah. unravels yeah, subtle, slowly, subtle. and it's like truly scary and not just but, glory. But I'm, no, a bit, I'm a bit of a gore hound. And, and now it's a just it's a total gore fest, and nobody's shocked by nothing. You know, have you guys so. been watching my favorite TV show, American Horror Story? I haven't seen no, it. Just the Lang. Is it? Oh man, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's all that. Tell you what, can we uh, hear some of Dracula? Well, let's see now. <laughs> oh, Don't I didn't bring my lecture against Aaron. Yeah, okay. Okay, right, okay so, Gene no, McGuire, no, no. put on your seatbelt. But I'm going to do some. This is like, this could have been in the Dracula score. Okay. <laughs> could have been. Could have been, okay. How you fucking doing, Gary? Oh. That re- really is. I'm just getting warmed up here. All right, man. good. No, it's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, like the Spanish Skip James with that shit, man. This is I, what this is what I wonder about musicians like you who are so incredibly talented. Like when you're home, do you, and you're not playing a show or anything, do you just put the guitar away, or do you just like play well, it all the time? No, I leave it out there, and I do play uh, during the day several times every day. Just to keep the muscles in shape, you know, it's sort of like an athlete staying in training. Because mm-hmm. if I really put it down for even a few days, I'll notice a bit of a deterioration in my technique. And one wants to be able to play with the same attack, you know, throughout. So I do play, but I think sometimes to get really good ideas, it's better not to be playing. Sometimes by going away from it, you know you'll come back with fresh ears. Mm-hmm. It's like anything. You know, once you get, if you're like looking at a film maybe as an editor and you've seen the damn thing so many times and all the sequences and, you know, you can just be so immersed in it that you lose a perspective and then maybe just, t- you know, stepping away and coming back to it, you look at it with fresh eyes. So, Does it relax you to play? Yeah, it does. I mean, I tell you, uh, it's sometimes <laughs> I find it stimulating, but, you know, my favorite thing, thing probably in the whole world is to play guitar for a nice audience that's my joy but i sometimes notice when i'm home after a really good concert all the tension in my body is like gone to my feet they're like really (laughs) my toes and the soles of my feet are all tense and then a good foot massage (laughs) the next day is in order 
Such, I don't know. That's where it goes. Maybe it's just a balance thing. You, know? you never seem like a very relaxed cat to me, Gary. I'm Honestly, not. Years we've known well, each other. But the fact is, I'm way more relaxed. If you'd seen me 20, 30 years ago, you'd notice a difference. <laughs> I just by necessity had to slow down a bit. But, you know, I mean, the stuff you you're know, playing, I mean, it's, it's next level shit. I mean, we're talking on the level of... You know, a, cla- a classical musician, not, you know, these pedestrian rock musicians, well, you know. The, guy, the guys that usually haunt the show. Yeah. No, you know, we can get by playing a few cowboy chords and bar chords. Right. And, you know, and that that's not what you're up to. No, I definitely am coming from the guitar having had a benefit of a classical background. I'm, my first real professional experience was playing with Leonard Bernstein's uh, supervision on the, his... He did a European uh, premiere of The Mass, a piece that he did to open the Kennedy Center in 1971 or two. In 73, I went with the Yale Symphony Orchestra and played the electric guitar, lead guitar in this production. And he gave me my first major compliment, you know, and I met him. I said, I'm the guy who was playing the electric guitar. And he was like, man, you were really wailing. <laughs> <laughs> that was like I was so high from that praise, man. Can't do you that. know, still. So... Yeah, I mean, I try and bring different things into it. Also, f- working with Captain Beefheart, which was my second major, you know, professional association. Don Van Vliet was a total uh, autodidact, genius, visionary musician and painter and poet. Uh, Beefheart, because of his primitive approach to music, very sophisticated, but, you know, he was technically primitive insofar as he couldn't repeat often things that he could write on the guitar or drums or piano. If you asked him to play it twice, he might be hard-pressed to do it. He was really good, though, in those first takes. <laughs> so, you know, he, he, his methodology stretched my technique. I expanded, certainly by leaps and bounds as a player, having to master the beefheart oeuvre. It's, it's legendary. I love um, that word. The, yeah. the, the solo, like the, the solo <laughs> guitar things you were doing um, that I saw you play at the Beacon Theater. Yeah. Um, and those things that were legendary, that, what did it take, like 400 hours of concert of practice yeah. and your guitar was Weeks. covered in blood? Yeah. You know, I mean, I used to read these stories and no, true. the thing with Don well, Van Vliet with Captain Beefheart, you'd hear these stories you, about like working on telepathy for hours a day <laughs> and how he would train the band and like, you know, these like crazy stories of how the how Trap Mask Rebel came to be, and then the stuff kind of turns out to be true. A lot of those stories. Yeah, he was definitely <laughs> a bit of a dictator, a go lighter. No, he was, uh, you know, believed in the total autonomy of his vision, and we had to support, be subordinate to that vision. So, if you had the impulse to improvise, it wasn't the place for you. Now, at that point, though, in my career, I was so happy to be playing with him. That was my ultimate goal in music after I first saw him. You know, in 71, I saw him play at a little club on the Upper West Side here. It was his debut in New York. And I came out of there saying, geez, if I ever play anything in music, I want to play with this guy. So, you know, at that point, I was totally willing to follow him wherever he wanted to take it, you know. And I had the drive and the energy and the ambition to just put in the hours, but it was hours. I mean, it was days and weeks. <laughs> I used to get up in the morning. Sometimes I'd start at 6 in the morning to learn one of his pieces. I'd go measure by measure by ear on a tape of him banging away <laughs> with all 12 fingers on the piano <laughs> in a very, let's say, dissonant, through-composed kind of a composition. And then you know, I had to, the task of translating that to the guitar. 
Not easy. You know, a lot of trial and error to get the notes right and make sure I was playing it. Can, can you do a little bit, a little flavor, but living not all those on things? this can guitar, still, unfortunately. Still no, that's that's crazy. But shit. this will this will definitely necessitate a revisit <laughs> on my part. See, I decided not to reveal all of my tricks here. Like a good but, <laughs> but I'll tell you what we do. We do have ice cream for crow queued up. Yeah, you should play that. So, uh, okay. which is obviously a very famous story of uh, not being allowed on MTV, but of course, yeah. Well, Mo- Moma, or as uh, Captain Beefheart once called it, Mom. Mom. A. He liked it. <laughs> yeah, it was. I'll tell you. You know, frustrating because at the time we made Ice Cream for Crow, which turned out to be the last Captain Beefheart album, and this is going back to '82. He didn't want to tour anymore, much to the disappointment of the band. We wanted to get out there and strut our stuff, and he was like, I hate touring. I hate it. So I said, well, you know, there's this new phenomenon that's just cropped up called MTV, and uh, he you know, had heard about it, so I directed him to watch it a little bit. And I said, we should do a video if we're not going to tour, you know, and then this way we'll get some exposure, and you know, it'll be a good way to promote the record. So he created a very... Very off-the-wall scenario <laughs> where we were out in the Mojave Desert cavorting, you know, and uh, lip-syncing to our track. He, however, had difficulties lip-syncing, <laughs> but yet he was consistently off, you know, so that when we synced it up <laughs> to make him consistently on, the band was off, you know, by <laughs> a half a second. So it looks like we're all, you know, just like dummies with the strings cut or something. Well, I think it swings pretty hard, nonetheless. Yeah. Well, the you know the last the joke was on us because TV said, "Well, this is too weird." When we turned it in, it's nobody so, will. Now you look at it; it's not not no, all that no, weird, you no, know. No, but um, it didn't fit any programming ideas that they had at the time, and and so he was bitter about it. I got him on the Letterman show a couple of times, and we got Letterman to show like the first twenty five seconds, <laughs> and then Don said, "Yeah, I don't want my MTV classic if they don't want my video." Those the, the, yeah. the Letterman performances are really classic. They're great. Anyway, why don't we give this a spin? It's kind of okay. like a combination of like yeah. John Lee Hooker and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right? <laughs> it's okay. uh, Arts and Seizures here with uh, yeah. Gina McGuire and Gary Lucas. This is Mike Edison on the Heritage Radio Network. Give it a twirl. Ice cream right. for crow. It's so hot. Looks like you have three beats, crow. The moon's so full. Getting forward and freaky here on the Arts yeah. and Seizures yeah. show. Oh, man. Um, 
So Definitely much- one of our guests with the best stories. Like, there's never anything boring that Gary talks about. Well, Gary's an old school troubadour. You know, you're a real beatnik. You're, you're, you're a poet warrior in the classic sense. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm just you know trying to get out there and play that guitar. Dude, no one plays more than, than, well, than I know than you do. I mean, you're all you thank put, you. You got more frequent flyers than anyone. I know. Ever. Like you must have a free trip around the world fifty times. I mean, I bumped into you at the airport. You're on your way to Tel Aviv. You come back in your Paris. You're doing Dracula in Transylvania. You go to. You've been, how many times have you been to Cuba to do the Spanish Dracula? Uh, five or six. I've done various film soundtrack uh, performances there for the Havana Film Festival. And also been working at the Gaia Art Center down there. Last uh, fall, I was doing soundtrack music with a Lorca play, beautiful play, La Casa de Bernarda Alba, and uh, was featured as a player giving you know uh, incidental music in the during the performance. Uh, Cuba is beautiful. You gotta go, man. Fuck the embargo. It's against the law, Gary. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well. You know, pot's legal, gay marriage is legal, Cuba's next. God bless America. Cuba will be next. All right, well, speaking of, of, of America, here's a little segue. I thought we were going to talk about doing a little Gershwin, maybe. I know you, you're really fond yeah. of Gershwin, because um, you're I a modern kind of guy. I work a lot at the Gershwin Hotel. It's like Gershwin and me. <laughs> I, I do uh, regular performance there. Nikki Carson and Michael Weiner have a great salon series. I was just there on Tuesday. Actually, my next show in New York, if you're interested, is at Dixon Place. On 2nd Avenue, Great Arts Theater Space. Love that place. Yeah. Uh, on uh, Friday, February 7th at 7.30, and it's a, I'm calling this program Blues and the Tuning of the World. I'm going to demonstrate a connection between blues and Chinese music, 30s Chinese pop, uh, African music, well, Celtic music, Indian music, Jewish music. Well, isn't, isn't Doc at Radio Station, the before record, a little bit somewhere between the blues and the Chinese it is. thing? Isn't that part? Well, that's funny because Don Van Vliet's mom, Sue, Sue Vliet, used to say to him, your music sounds kind of Chinesey, Don. <laughs> She meant it as a compliment. Well, he loved that's that. That's what Coleman Hawkins. Is that what Coleman Hawkins said? Well, about, about Charlie Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's that Chinese, Chinese music? <laughs> I think Louis Armstrong too. So you know, I was like, like, hey man, we we, we don't right. flat our fifths. We drink you know, them. Chinatown was always a metaphor <laughs> for like something that was yeah. very obscure and fucked up. You know, like the film Chinatown. Yeah. I guess we're in Chinatown now. But well, uh, bring it back to Gershwin. Gershwin. Okay, now I learned this for a wedding of a dear friend of mine, Glenn Kenny, who was. Had a great column in the uh, Premier magazine, the lamented film journal called As Glenn. And uh, he's a great guy, and he has a blog you should check out called Some Came Running. Also, want to plug my friend Richard Pena, who just had me in Santander, Spain, doing Spanish Dracula, as well as uh, I did a new score for a 30s Chinese film called The Goddess. Watch for that, because I'm going to be doing that again, I'm pretty sure. Anyways, uh, he asked when Glenn was marrying his sweetheart, he said, will you play this at my wedding? And actually, it was my father's favorite song. So when my father died, too, I played it at his funeral. Uh, It's good for weddings, you know, all occasions. (laughs) Gary Lucas, available for bar mitzvahs, weddings. And you're live on the Heritage Radio Network.
Daddy-o. All right. Hey, Evan, you need to find those um, applause sounds for us. <laughs> we have a new We have a new engineer, Evan. Welcome. Uh, thank you for, for helping us out today. The applause button's one on the left, I think. <laughs> and we need kitten noises, for too, for future Kit- reference. <laughs> <laughs> you spend a lot of time in Spain. Spain's the best. What about the, I love Spain. What about the flamenco, Gary? I mean, that's, well, that, that's I, that whole gypsy thing is so fucking far out. I know. Seems like it could I'm be like your fan. next big challenge, you know? Could be. You know, I did, actually, the first encounter I had with flamenco guitarists in Spain I was playing with the Golem. was one of the first uh, films that I did a soundtrack for. This is going back to 93, and I was over there with the Knitting Factory caravan of stars doing what they were... It was being sold under the rubric, the Jam Tour, which was an acronym for Jewish avant-garde music. <laughs> so, but that uh, is you. That's you. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll cop to that, okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm one yeah. of the pioneers on that tip. So... Anyway, after I played, all these flamenco guitarists in the city of Sevilla, where we were playing, came back to pay their respects. They were kissing and hugging me and going, Kerry Lucas, I love you. I love you. The way you... you They were impressed with my uh, finger-picking, I guess. But I I think flamenco, like a Tomatito and uh, Paco de Lucia, they're just so phenomenal. I love flamenco guitarists, and I love... Really great flamenco vocalists such as El Camarón was the best he, he, man. No, was Camarón just fantastic. Like, Camarón, like yeah, a, a of, you know, he was force of I mean. nature. Also, Enrique Morente, who died two years ago, was a phenomenon. And as is Estrella Morente. I really always love to hear uh, Spanish music yeah, of I mean, all sorts. You it know, just really. defines like time and space, or redefines it. Really. It or, it's, it's so like, deep. I'm like the Beefheart, it's just like these. Beefheart loves Spanish because music. Because it's like these he, crazy listen, time signatures. Well, these things that just sort of went into loops. When I did the, you know, you know uh, the first piece I did for Beefheart was this thing, Flavor Bud Living. And I said, you know, it sounds a little Spanish. And he kind of winked at me and he went, yeah, good one. <laughs> <laughs> That's him, man. That I, under- I got that. He was definitely a fan. Well, I feel we've made great yeah. academic progress here today, yeah. connecting Beefheart um, to both you know, the blues, the Chinese pop, the flamenco, yeah. and to the Jewish avant-garde. Yes. Oh, we're kicking ass today. I know, we are. <laughs> Fired on all cylinders. Here. And as ever, it's been the fastest half hour on the internet, especially fast, with uh, Gary, my favorite beat, Nick Lucas. Gary, you have a website, right? Just GaryLucas.com? Yeah, GaryLucas.com, and uh, I have a Twitter feed. I think it's LucasGary is my <laughs> Twitter handle. Crazy. Somebody check my name. But, and, uh, uh, but Facebook, I'm on there all the time. But remind everybody that your book, Touched by Grace, My Time with Jeff Buckley, is yeah. out, and it's absolutely sensational. Thank you. Jawbone Press did a great job putting this out. Published, they printed this thing in China. It's got fantastic reproduction of photos in there. I'm very happy. Oh, damn it. I downloaded it for Kindle. Oh, well, I'll have to just give you your own personal (laughs) autograph copy. And, of course, Cinema Factistic is nice. Yeah. Uh, Northern Spy, check it out. This was just hailed as the top, one of the top ten Roots albums in the Philadelphia City paper. Well, they ought to know. Aren't the Roots from Philly? <laughs> I, I think they are. <laughs> they must like the record. You know the story. One of the, the Philadelphia two. story. Okay, you know. Roots. That's good. That was a little... The Gapplegate guitar and bass black guitar album of the year. That was a little double indemnity joke. I'm sure you're going to get around to doing that soundtrack soon. So uh, let's not forget, though, that we got some stuff coming up at Lincoln Center. Please look for Gary Lucas. Everything you do yeah. is 
fucking phenomenal. Thank really you. Oh, and check out, out, I got a record coming out with Peter Hamill, legendary vocalist of Van de Graaff Generator, one of the best English psychedelic bands of them all. And that'll be out Feb 3rd on Esoteric Records. Uh, this is a record, I mean, it's deep. Some of the weirdest, wildest, williest, spaciest guitar <laughs> and vocal excursions you will ever, you'll ever, uh, that money can buy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Without the aid of drugs. Right? <laughs> yes. okay. so. Thank you so much, Gary, for coming My pleasure. to Bushwick. All right. Bring us, bring us out something okay. groovy for Gene Wire and Gary Lucas for having in the booth, the Heritage Radio Network here at Roberta's Live. This is Mike Edison on Arts and Seizures. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.